0: does have it all all of our pre-owned vehicles are hubler q certified which include a 128 point vehicle inspection a free carfax vehicle history report and two warranties a two-year 100,000 mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000 mile comprehensive warranty visit
1: any of our 13
2: locations today or click
0: drivehubler.com
1: has it all.
0: i'd like to know this how many guys in the nba are rocking just a mustache no goatee no beard just mustache do we know there, there was – there's an Indy 500 that we have on tape from, like, the 30s where one of the drivers is re- referred to as the mustachioed whiz. And I think for the Indiana Pacers, the guy that joins us on the program now, we should refer to as the mustachioed whiz. I guess <laughs> mustached whiz is fine. But Ben Shepard, is that cool with you, Ben Shepard, mustachioed whiz? Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, man, I guess if you – listen – you're playing your way into regular rotation in the NBA. You'll probably for now take whatever nickname comes your way, right? Congratulations on um, you know, kind of this this settling in, if you will, as uh you guys get set for New York. But let's go back to this, Ben Shepherd, to begin the show. And thanks for joining us, by the way. Um No problem. So January fifteenth. I don't know if that name if that that date means anything to you, Ben Shepard. January fifteenth. But Prior to January 15th, I think the most minutes you had logged in an NBA game is 16, or was 16. And since that date, you're averaging 18 minutes a game. You were a steady part of the rotation. That was where the flip, the the switch was flipped, I guess I'd say. What's been the difference for you?
3: Um, I mean, just people started going down on our team. Um, a lot of injuries happened, and, um, I guess I got my chance, and, um, I guess I'm being, like, forced to be on the court now just with my hard play and my defense and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, definitely happy with how things are going right now. But, um, yeah, obviously more work to do, but it's definitely been fun.
0: You know, here's the reality, Ben. It's not about, like, situations that present for players. It's about how you respond to them. And you know what I mean? And and so – how, when when the number was called and it's your turn to go out there and play, be honest with me, man, like, were you nervous about it? Did you think about it? Or all of a sudden did you just wake up and go, oh, wow, like I'm in the rotation here. This is cool.
3: Yeah, um, it was definitely surprising, but um, I've been ready. I'm uh, staying ready. I've been staying ready since the beginning of the season. Whenever my name was called, whether that was late game, at the end of the game when we're up by 20 or – if coach wants to put me in for like a minute or whatever, but uh, yeah, just staying ready physically and mentally on the bench and just cheering on my teammates and getting myself into the game any way I can. So uh, yeah, just staying ready at all times.
4: Ben Shepard is our guest, Ben, you and fellow rookie Jairus Walker have spent time, especially in the early goings of the season down in the G league with the Indiana Mad Ants. How instrumental has Coach Hankins and everything that they do down there been to keeping you fresh and keeping you experienced to the point that when your number was ultimately called you were able to rise to the occasion?
3: Yeah, I think uh, those games have definitely been good for me and Jairus' development and um, it's especially easier when all the players are welcoming and the coaches run the same stuff that the Pacers do, so it's like kind of easy transitioning from playing with the Mad Ants, and then playing with the big team. So, uh, yeah, it's been good.
0: So I want to go back here, and there's a reason I'm going to do it in this order here. Ben Shepard of the Pacers, our guest. Um, You were in high school in in the Atlanta area. You went to a high school where you had success as a team and a high school that had produced NBA players, notably Malcolm Brogdon. And then you go to Belmont. What other schools – like when you chose Belmont, you chose Belmont over which other programs?
3: Um, so I had a lot of Ivy League offers, um, small mid-major, OBC, Missouri Valley schools, um, no in-state schools in Georgia recruited me. So I was thinking about going to University of Pennsylvania. And then Coach Bird, uh, I don't know if you guys know about him, but he's like a Hall of Fame college basketball coach. He came in late and was just like, I think you need to be at Belmont. You fit exactly what we do here. And uh, I took a visit to Nashville and I fell in love and, the rest was history from there.
0: So, Okay, so you go to Belmont, okay? And so you, you buy into Coach Bird's sales pitch, and you say, I'm going to go to Belmont. And you're not going to Georgia. You're not going to Georgia Tech. You know, you're not going to, to Big Ten, as you would mentioned. And you average three points a game as a freshman. And then yeah. you slowly grow into the point where you get 16 as a junior and then 18 in your last year, and you get drafted. Here's yeah. Here's the reason we go through all that. How much of all of that benefited you, and would you have been able to stay the course of this journey in the NBA if you had been a guy that automatically had gone to a Georgia Tech and had success right away? How much of having to be patient through that journey is benefiting you now?
3: Yeah, I think my journey so far has been huge, and uh, I think any player that's going through it their freshman year or think they're not good enough or whatever just shows throughout my journey that like the work always proves itself and uh yeah just making those steady jumps those four years and um just sticking to my game and knowing knowing how to play is just I don't know it's just been great for me and I'm glad I stayed at Belmont um not a lot of people know but I was thinking about transferring to a bigger school my junior year after my junior year season and uh I decided to stay because I know I could get all my stuff done at Belmont but yeah it's definitely been good and I'm thankful for every bit of how Belmont poured into me and everything I learned along the way. So it's definitely been good for my, for my basketball career.
0: Okay. And when you were thinking about transferring, like take me through, I'm not going to say the rock bottom because you didn't get that. I'm sure it was actually probably the other way around, right? Where you're like, I like it here, but I've kind of outgrown it. Maybe was your thought process, right? So what was it where you said, no, this is where I need to be, And, you know, where were you looking to go? Yeah,
3: so when I returned for my senior year, I was the only starter coming back. Um, I'd played more minutes throughout my college career than the rest of the team combined. Um, I think we had seven freshmen come in that year. So it was just like a lot up in the air and a lot like, I don't know how we're going to do this year, honestly. And um, I just went through with my coach and decided to stay coaches in the offseason from other big programs were reaching out and uh, yeah I just decided to stay ultimately and I think I made the right decision so
4: Pacers rookie guard Ben Shepard is our guest Ben take us back to draft night and the weeks and months that followed as you prepared for your first NBA training camp and you got set for your inaugural season in the NBA when you were drafted where did you feel like this is where I need to improve the most to survive at the next level and what was presented to you in terms of the Pacers scouts from coach Carlisle, everybody else that this is where you need to improve. Where did those align and where did they maybe differ? Like where do you still push yourself on a daily basis?
3: Yeah. um, I think the Pacers organization looks at me as a three and D guy. And um, I think something I need to work on is honestly my body just getting a little bit bigger. I think I can guard one through three right now, but I think I can be super versatile if I can be able to guard one through four. And uh, so I think that's a big part, something that I need to work on. But, um, yeah, just always working on my shot and uh, ball handling, honestly. Um, I played a little bit of point guard here in this season. And, uh, yeah, just being ready and uh, wherever my coach wants to put me, I'll be ready for it. So just working on all parts of my game.
0: By the way, Rick Bird, I assume, is the coach you're talking about at Belmont, right?
3: Yeah, 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 and he recruited me, but he retired right after they made that little March Madness run. So he retired after there, winning.
0: He retired after winning 800 games. So I'd say he's got a pretty good idea and a pretty good feel for what he's talking about, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to go back to Ben Shepherd is our guest. Ben, I've I've lived in India my whole life, right? I've done mm-hmm. sports media here for the vast majority of my career in Indianapolis, and every once in a while you see things where. You witness something, and you go, okay, that's the moment. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and then I, we're going to play a, a trivia game with Ben Shepard, okay? I'm at Gainbridge okay. Fieldhouse, and I'm watching the game, and I see this about 45 or 50-second like flurry of activity on the floor, and I say to myself, that's the moment right there where this guy – just became a fan favorite for the Indiana Pacers. And it was you, and the crowd went bonkers, and you looked like you had just drank like 19 Red Bulls, and you're running around, and I'm like, that right there, that's the moment. What moment was it, Ben Shepard?
3: <laughs> the Denver game. That is correct. Uh, yeah, I saw KCP turn his back to me um, when he was bringing the ball up. So I tried to poke it loose, didn't get it, dove on the ground, got back up. Jamal Murray's bringing it across half court. Uh, Aaron Naismith cuts him off, and I'm just able to get my hands on it. And uh, I finish on the other end. I get hit. Um, thought it was a foul call right there. But um, I was just fired up, especially not playing uh, those first three quarters and then playing the full the full fourth quarter. Um, just knew I had to get, get the fans into it. So it was a great time.
0: Well, when you – so that the, there's a timeout. I, I can't remember what it was—a timeout or foul or whatever it was—and you you throw your head back in this exultation, like literally from your from your ankles all the way out. This this release of emotion. How much of that was the release of the emotion of that moment versus the epiphany that you were having, just like me in the crowd, of Ben Shepherd has arrived. <laughs> Honestly, in those
3: situations. I'm just living in the moment. I don't I couldn't tell you what I was doing on the bench
0: right there, but uh yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, but you know the other great thing about it? Within 30 seconds, every single player on that Pacers roster was off the bench and was giving you love and high fives and and pats on the back of the head. You don't see that with every team. Honestly, right? No,
3: no not at all. Um that's something that's so special about our group of guys, honestly, is that I don't know we're all so close. We all love to see each other succeed and uh we know our strengths and um uh, I don't think any of our players veer off and try to do something that's not asked for them. But uh yeah, it's just a great group of guys and I'm so glad to be here. So
5: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
4: Ben Shepherd is our guest. Ben, if I was a rookie, which, uh, you know, those dreams died, you know, at birth. I was never going to play in the NBA, let alone in high school. <laughs> but if I was ever a player that was really good at three-point shooting at each level of my career and I wanted to get better in the NBA, I would long to talk to and try to pick up whatever I could from some of the great three-point shooters currently in the game. And whether that's a, you know Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, whoever, you have one in your locker room in Buddy Heald. And maybe you have it, maybe you have, but is there anything you've picked up from him specifically as a rookie as he's arguably one of the most prolific three-point shooters in the game today?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, right when I got... Uh, to the to Indianapolis in September, um, just watching him work out, um, watching his activity. I don't know if you guys noticed, but he is always moving around, and uh, conditioning is like a big part of my game. And uh, yeah, just always moving around, just adding that to my game and creating actions for others. Because Buddy does so much more than three point shooting. I know that jumps off paper for him, but yeah, he's just an excellent shooter. And uh, honestly, I think if He's passed anything to me. It'd be just shooting the ball with confidence. Um, he was telling me about his rookie year and the struggles he went through shooting the ball, but it didn't determine the rest of his career. So, uh, yeah, just whenever your opportunity's called, just being ready to shoot the ball because I think that's what the Pacers drafted me for. So,
0: You know, like a million years ago, Ben Shepard, our guest of the Pacers, there was a an Indianapolis Colt named Clarence Verdan, Ben, and his nickname on the team was CNN because he, he talked 24 hours a day. Uh, I feel like Buddy Hield's nickname should be "See It Is that accurate? Like he seems like that guy that like is kind of always keeping people loose.
3: Yeah, I think I think that could be accurate. Um, super high energy guy in the locker room, always talking, always joking around. Just a great locker room guy. So
0: okay, Ben Everyone Shepard. Him, buddy. Sorry about that. Um, here's what we're going to do. You're new to town. You're a rookie. You had that moment in the Denver game, like I said, where I think people all of a sudden were like, whoa, I can get on board with this guy. So we're going to do a couple rapid-fire questions about you that have nothing to do with basketball to get to know you a little bit. Is that cool? Okay, okay. yeah. All right, here we go. First is um, you obviously played college basketball like Aaron Nesmith in the city of Nashville, Belmont's in Nashville, right? Yes. Okay, so did you uh, ever, like Aaron Neesmith admitted to us earlier this week, did you ever buy uh, cowboy boots or a cowboy hat?
3: I do have two pairs of cowboy boots, yeah.
0: <laughs> Okay, now, I asked Neesmith, I said, well, I've always heard they're like the most comfortable thing ever once they're broken in, and Aaron Niesmith said, I don't wear them enough. How often do you wear them?
3: <laughs> I, I would say I don't wear them enough either, but uh, I have a pair that's kind of broken in and they're comfortable, so.
0: Okay. Um, secondly, if you were given, let, let's just say, for example, that Ruoff Music Center or, or the lawn here downtown. One of the music places says, "We love Ben Shepherd, and we want to get him tickets to the concert of his choice." The musical artist you would most want to see live would be who? Oh, Chris Stapleton. I see. I now, did you not see him in Nashville? I did. I was going to say. See him again. He was great. I, I was. I mean, that would be the hardest thing about focusing on anything in Nashville would just be – I would be like out – there's so much great live music there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, the guy on the roster right now, so I guess this is somewhat basketball related, but the player that if you truly have a question or just – you're you're a little bit confused going into a game or whatever else. The guy that you truly feel is the teammate you can most lean on and go to for advice, be it basketball or not in basketball. TJ McConnell. I'm, boy, that is like the least surprising answer ever, right? And, and and why has nobody in the league figured out that he steals inbound passes?
3: <laughs> I couldn't tell you,
0: but but it's I mean it's good for you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another question we asked Aaron and Miles Turner, is on flights, in free time. Like right now, you guys obviously getting ready you know, tonight with a game, but you're on the road. What do you do to kill the time? Um, get on my iPad and watch TV. Best show that you watched recently or like binge watched? Ozark. Uh, it is pretty good. You know that, by the way, do you know that the guy, Marty Bird in Ozark fictionally went to Indiana State University? Do you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's probably happy about the trees being nineteen and three, right? <laughs> yeah, they beat my they beat my Belmont Bruins. They, they last did. Night. <laughs> did you watch it? I did. We were up twelve at halftime and couldn't keep it together. So. Hey, I'll tell you what, um, Indiana State's and nothing against your Belmont Bruins, but Indiana State's done a nice job this year. I mean, they they, they can they space have... it out, man. They can play. Yeah,
4: Ben. In that same vein. We asked Miles about this. He had mentioned that he has a Nintendo Switch that he'll game on during road trips. Do you do you play video games at all? Or are you strictly on the binge watching and then getting back to the court?
3: Yeah, just watching TV. Right. I don't really. I'm not too much of a gamer, but yeah.
0: Ben Shepard, our guest. Lastly, Ben, and I appreciate the time today. And I, I, you know, I know that you probably have other things that you need to do to get focused and ready for the game. But what is like your pregame? ritual I guess I mean from the time that you guys I'm always fascinated by this like what time do you start heading to the arena today and then what all goes into everything before tip-off for you personally and then in terms of the team itinerary as well
3: yeah so um on a normal game day I'll try to get an hour nap in uh, before the 4 30 bus I usually get on the first bus to the arena to get some shots up before my workout time and then I lift And then I have like an hour before tip-off, so just listening to music in my locker, uh, talking to my parents, and that's how I get ready. So not too too much to it.
0: Speaking of that, by the way, uh, I guess one other thing, you talked about your parents. You had a ton of family at the beginning of the year when you guys were in Boston, and I read that your family predominantly are all like New Englanders in terms of their sports fandom. You don't have Patriots fans in your family, do you? I am a Patriots fan. (laughs) It's a good thing we saved that for last, right? (laughs) <laughs> right, what? i mean yeah. listen listen can, can you uh i don't know i don't know if you're aware of this or not ben but like they're doing an overhaul in new england if the nba thing doesn't work out the patriots might use you they could use all the help they can get right now and we're not used to saying oh, yeah. that around here right <laughs> yeah hey no pressure but earlier this week we had on aaron neesmith and that night he went out and had his season high might have even been a career high as a matter of fact so uh in boston so no pressure tonight but enjoy your 29 point out- outburst tonight all right ben I appreciate it. All right, Ben Shepard. Best of luck, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Ben Shepard of the Indiana Pacers joining us here on the program.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
4: Our next guest is a college basketball analyst for CBS, but you know him locally for those historic back-to-back national title runs in 2010 and 2011 with the Butler Bulldogs. He is Shelvin Mack. Nice enough to take some time with us. Shelvin, how are you on a Thursday? How you doing? Doing great. Off the bat, let's start with Butler. How proud of what Thad Mata is doing in his second year as they are making a push for the NCAA tournament. Are you of your alma mater?
6: Uh, yes, they had some big wins uh, on a three-game road streak. I'm glad he was able to get out and transfer and transfer portal, man, to get Pierre Brooks, Posh Alexander to come over. Kind of need that experience. Um, with Posh been at St. John's last year. You know how the Big East is. And Pierre coming from Michigan State. I think those two players play extremely well together, and it's translated to some wins. We've got a big stretch coming up, though, a really, really big stretch.
0: Shelvin, it's interesting because in today's world with the transfer portal, I mean, I realize this is probably true of you know most rosters, but ha- having said that, how long do you think it truly does take for a team when you have new faces to, to truly kind of have its own identity and know and trust each other on the floor and understand who they are?
6: I would guess part, at least a half the season. Now, same thing with the NBA. It's why a lot of times you see like some teams just figure it out, some teams don't, and they make trades. But it takes a, a while. You have to you have to have a, a certain amount of games and playing a level competition where this guy likes the ball in this in this spot. The coach got to be able to trust. He can down three. We don't need to call a timeout. We can still get a play. This takes a, a very very long time.
4: Shelvin Mack is our guest. This answer varies year to year but when you look around college basketball is there a clear conference that is head and shoulders above the rest right now whether it's looking at net whether it's looking at overall roster construction where do you look around college hoops and say this is the best conference right now
2: the big
6: 12 I think they're kind of head and shoulders above everyone else that I would go with the biggies but the big 12 is a a, that's the monster night in night out whether you have TCU Baylor them adding Houston to the mix. Kansas is always a top-notch top team. Oklahoma, just any night you could just lose. UCF coming in there playing, competing at a high level, then also Cincinnati coming in to the Big 12, competing at a high level. It's just very – it's no nights no nice off in the Big 12.
0: Is there a league, Shelvin, who's – and maybe the answer here is Big Ten. I'm not trying to lead the witness, but <laughs> is there a league whose style of play – is the most unique and doesn't transfer? In other words, if you're used to playing that style of play over the course of the year, then you get to March and you got to play teams from other leagues, and it doesn't translate, if that makes sense. Is there any league that jumps out at you?
6: Yes, you hit it right on the head, the Big Ten. Their pace is just so slow throughout the season, and sometimes they get caught off guard by playing a fast, uh, up-tempo team. And it's hard to switch, and you're not used to it. The good thing about – the Big Twelve, the ACC, the Big East—you get multiple styles and multiple versions of teams playing. Like in the Big East, you get Creighton, who loves to get up and down the court, two threes, and then you play a Butler or a Villanova who slows it down. So you can be able to adapt to each style. In March, the first time you see it, like yeah, like a are in headlights, and that's kind of what happens a lot of times when they have ten teams in a tournament and don't make the Final Four.
0: Has Purdue? allowed itself that versatility you're talking about, Shelvin Mack, our guest. You know, to me, when you look at the addition of Jones and you look at, like, the evolution and the growth of, of Braden Smith, and then, of course, Zach Eadie is Zach Eadie, but it has Purdue given itself now enough offensive flexibility to be able to play different styles in March?
6: I think so, uh, but it's still all come down to Zach Eadie, and they're able to score a lot of points from the free throw line, I just don't think that's actually going to happen in NCAA tournament. As you watched the game last night, um, shot forty six free throws to eight. I just don't think that's going to happen when you plan a fast and up and paced game. You know, at one hundred and five points to ninety six, but it's always going to slow down and go through Zach Eadie. So I think it's it's kind of kind of hard. It's a, it, uh, a gift and a curse with, with him.
0: Was that disparity at the free throw line last night between Purdue and Northwestern? Was that execution or was that bad officiating?
6: Uh, that's a tough one. So it's, it's a little bit of both. I know Northwestern is holding head high. Whenever you can, you know, go to Purdue, own shoot a free throws, take them to overtime, and still have a chance to win. I know they believe they could beat them out at on a neutral side or at home, but that's too big of a, of a of a gap difference for me.
4: Shelvin Mack is our guest, Butler great and current analyst for CBS Sports. Shelvin. This might be a bridge too far when I try to draw this comparison. So if it is, you can laugh at me. We can move on. But (laughs) you and Butler go to the national title game in 2009-2010, and you're able to take that loss. And obviously, Gordon Hayward departs, but you still had great pieces like yourself, Matt Howard, Avery Jukes, and others. You're able to take that team, and you're able to go back to the title game. For Purdue, they didn't get to that doorstep But they suffered a heartbreaking loss to Fairleigh Dickinson, and they largely return most of that team. And now they're on a mission to not just overcome that loss, but get all the way to a national title game. How did you use that as motivation to get back and continue that journey with Butler? And, And how does Purdue have to balance that of knowing there's expectations to right the shortcomings of March for them this season?
6: Just take it one game at a time. They understand that they had a big opportunity last year and missed out on it. So when you get back to that same situation, it do not put a lot of pressure on it. I think them coming back as a team it helped us a lot, and it's very—it's a lot of similarities. We lost to North Carolina, uh, our very first round in tournament. They had—I'm not North Carolina, LSU—they had Marcus Thornton, and they put it out in the first round. We, I think we might have been in the higher seat, but we just came back the next year worked together and we understood the situations and timings that we're gonna be in. We had confidence in each other. That's the great thing about having your team back. You you believe in yourself and you can get it done. And I think, you know, coach Terry Johnson, who was at me at Butler, the offensive coordinator at Purdue, he's gonna he's gonna have those guys ready, ready to rock this this um this march.
0: You know, when you look back, Shelvin Mack, our guest, it's funny Shelvin, when you look back at those Butler teams And, you know, it makes sense in hindsight, right? I mean, you're like, okay, they got Shelvin Mack that that played, you know, what, eight, nine seasons in the NBA. You got Gordon Hayward, who obviously we know. Ronald Nora was just a bulldog, and Matt Howard was a great player. So it makes sense in hindsight. What team right now in college basketball is one that's kind of off the radar, but they're really well coached, you love the execution they have, and... They have talented players that people have slept on, and therefore they can make some noise in March. That team is who?
6: The easy one would be FAU. Say if they went to the Final Four, we turn everyone back. They have Johnny L. Davis, who's been playing extremely well late. I think he'll have a chance to make it to the NBA. But then a lot of people not talking about Dayton. Dayton have a, a big in the Holmes. So they can play inside out they also able to stretch the floor, making top ten three-point shooting team in the country. So, you know, in a tournament, you need those three to, to get some momentum and keep it running. And obviously, Coach Grant is a great defensive team, defensive coach. You now how the ball pressure, is going to be physical and make everything tough. So, I actually like, like Dayton to go on a, a strong run besides FAU.
0: What is it about the Dayton program? You know, I mean, it's been a great program, uh, or at least a very good one, certainly. And there have been coaches that have gone there that have parlayed that. I mean, Archie Miller comes to mind, obviously, and just not found the success that they were able to have in Dayton. I love that league. But what is it about Dayton that, that has just allowed for coaching changes, but sustained really good play?
6: I would say the fan base. You no, know, whenever you turn uh, a game on at Dayton, it's completely sold out every single year. I think that's why the first four is there. It's just the, the amount of support you get from the crowd. And as a player, you want to play in an atmosphere like that. So they constantly are able to get higher level talent than other schools probably in the a can who's not selling out every, every home game. And I think the style of play. People love to see them, full-court press, compete, no, half-line getting dunked is just, is just awesome to
0: see. Shelvin Mack is our guest of CBS. Okay, Shelvin, I asked you about teams like Dayton that you mentioned or Florida Atlantic that, that might be kind of hanging around and can make some noise. What about a team that is really good but their rotation is short enough that it is reason for concern in March if there's foul issues or the the quick turnaround of games – that they just don't have perhaps a deep enough roster to be able to go further than what people expect. That would be who?
6: I would say that would be UK. Kentucky, they lost last night to Florida. They had two guys out and you see that they was at home. Most of the time they never lose at home in Rupp Arena, but two guys out, tough matchup against Florida came out with a loss. And they also depend so much on their guard play. Um, whether it's Dillingham or or Shepard, if one of those players have like an off night, it could be a rat in the first round of NCAA tournament.
4: Butler, great. And CBS Sports analyst, Selvin Mack, is our guest. Shelvin, they always say, and this is what's bounced Purdue the last couple of years, that great guard play is what wins in March. And you can tell when you look at Purdue compared to where they were a year ago, guys like Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith and the leaps that they've taken through growth and development that... They're a better team in that department than they were a year ago. When you look at the Boulder Makers, do you share that same assessment and is their guard play at a high enough level now to be a real threat in March?
6: I think so. Bray Smith has made a, a big job. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day. It's like if I'm playing with Zach Eady, I should have multiple double digit assist games. Last night he had sixteen. Two nights ago he had ten. So he's able to put Zach Eady, Zach Eady in a position to be successful. And then I'm just always just catching it off the re, uh, off the board and putting it back in. And then also him being able to stretch the floor and being aggressive. I think last year they knew they had Zach Eady and they went to him like every single play. This year, I think Braden Smith and, and Lori is more comfortable being able to come off the own ball and shoot a three to stretch the floor. So I think it's going to go, um, it's going to help them out. So it's not, it's not always pressure on Zach Eady when it comes late in the game and you just try to feast, uh, just force it down the throat when he's posting up.
0: Shelvin Mack, our guest. Shelvin, I'm going to give you a trivia question. Put you on the spot here. You ready? Okay. Uh, in order, top of your head. So like you can't like just boom, like knee jerk reaction. In order, uh, tell me the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Tell me the NBA franchises you played for, but in order of which you played for them. Go ahead, go. And uh, are we counting ten days? Yes. Wizards,
6: 76ers, Hawks, Jazz, uh, Orlando, <laughs> Orlando, uh-huh.
0: Memphis, Charlotte. Yes. Nice. Well done. Nice. You had to think about it for a second, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I got, I got traded and cut
6: in that order, too. So, so I had to get it back together. So I actually got traded back to the Hawks. Okay. They so got, tell
0: me this. I'm fascinated uh, by this. What happens when a player gets traded? Like does your agent tell you? Do you find out on Twitter? Like what, what is the process? Um
6: so I got traded twice. I found out on Twitter on one of them. Now so my agent gave me a heads up on the other. So <laughs> it's just this it's just different. Like I went to sleep in the hotel, woke up, I was traded. Um then I got released from the Atlanta Hawks at the same time. So it's a it's a hard transition, and a tough pill to swallow. But it's the professional sports, which you sign up for. So, well,
0: what do you do about like is. living conditions? I mean, honestly, like you're you're like, wait a minute, like I got a condo or an apartment back there, and now I've got to find a place to live. Like, where do they put you up? Do you stay like in a Howard Johnson? Like, what do they do?
6: So, you get an allotment to figure that stuff out and pay for it. So, a lot of times, um, I live in Atlanta. So, everywhere I went, I kind of knew there was a chance I might be traded. So, I just rent an apartment. Um... Do like an eight month lease, and no, hopefully, you stay there the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I guess, yeah. So, yeah. you're not exactly like immediately calling Biff Ward and like buying multi million dollar homes in each place, right? No, not at all. Okay. Um, and then the other thing I was going to ask is just what is like, there's got to be one. Like, what's your best NBA story? You know, just of like a. A crazy dude on the bus or, like, a, a teammate you had where you're like, wait a minute, what? I mean, or just something crazy that happened in a the locker. There's got to be some fun story that happened over the course of time in the NBA. Uh, you try to get me turning to Jeff Teague, huh? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, Teague's – his podcast, man, he is uh, – he's unfiltered for sure.
6: Yes, um, we can keep it there. When, um, I was actually on the Atlanta Hawks team when we left Jeff uh, at the arena uh, in Detroit. I really uh really haven't had too many experiences that like just jumps off the wall that's a, that's kind of appropriate for radio. <laughs> I will say
0: that. All right, fair enough. <laughs> that's that's well said. Let's put it that way. What was the um now that in your job with CBS in in covering college basketball has it been a challenge to have to know different rosters, different Programs where teams are over the course of the year. There are a lot of teams in college basketball, or did playing in the NBA and having to kind of night in and night out adjust game plans assist you in the prep work that is necessary for what you do now?
6: The NBA did not help me with this at all. <laughs> I would <laughs> tell you that you know, in it, NBA you have thirty teams, and it's typically the same players over and over again that you're kind of talking about, and you know, on the scout report and college basketball over the past three years is you have players that have been on three different teams in three years. Um, also with the conference changing, it's, it's difficult, it's challenging, but that's when you got to, you know, hit the books and, and keep up and study and, and read as much as possible. So even Kevin McClure at Kansas was a Texas tech. I just remember those little tiny details throughout the season, but the transfer portal completely changed the game. I don't, if I played, I don't think I would have been at Butler with the transport port on the NIL.
4: <laughs> Shelvin Mack is our guest. Shelvin, I want to probe one more time for a good story, but not in the NBA this time. So I guess we'll go adjacent to Jeff T. Because Robbie Hummel's mentioned this before with his playing days when he was overseas. Like, athletic trainers are different there. Like, you're getting your own ice pack sometimes. Maybe Maybe your experience overseas was more enjoyable than that. But any crazy stories from playing basketball across the pond?
6: Um, I was in some great situations, great locations uh, with some teams. So I played in Milan, that was that was beautiful. Also played in uh, Jerusalem, so that was great. Just going out there and seeing seeing the history, you know, of our world. And then Athens, Greece, I was just on the beach the whole time. Uh, yes, I got one for you. Uh, in, in Greece, I played for Panathinaikos. Uh, no, their fans are very, very, very passionate. So we was practicing one day in the middle of a shell drill. Shell drill is a four-on-four defensive drill. When you slide and cut off the baseline, somebody has to sink and help and kick it back out. In the middle of the drill, we had about 200 fans come in and just kind of like we had to have a meeting with them at half court. They were basically critiquing our game, complaining about how we've been playing (laughs) and and losing. And I've never experienced – like we literally stopped practice and let them – They'll kind of speak to us, get that out of the chest. <laughs> but they, but they were speaking in Greek, and like I had a when the coaches translate, I was like, "What do he say?" He's like, "He wants y'all to play, play better." I was like, "I know he didn't come here and just say that. It has to be a lot more words, <laughs> right?" <don't> play better. <laughs> did it help? Did it help? <laughs> uh, it We helped. We got us on the right path. You but know I what? I, did, I never experienced that at all. Even the GM, the president, stopped practicing and let them
0: and allowed them to talk to us. If you had to live in one place overseas that you played or saw, it would be where?
6: I would say Jerusalem. Beautiful? uh, It's beautiful. Then Tel Aviv is like 30, 40 minutes away, so you can just go there and sit on the beach. Um, Everyone speaks English. It's pretty pretty cool, a unique place.
0: Shelvin Mack, our guest. Lastly, Shelvin, before we let you go, and I know you've been asked this a gabillion times, so I'll make it a gabillion and one. But for, for our audience, um, when you look back in all the places you've been, from critique of Greek fans to sitting on the beach in Tel Aviv to playing in Atlanta and getting traded and released on Twitter and everything else, when it goes back to the basics, what is your pride and what is your overall takeaway from your memories of being a Butler Bulldog?
6: Um. Everything it's, it's where it all started. Um a big family. I'm glad my man Grant Leindecker just got the A D job, Derek Butler, taking over Barry. is one of my teammates. Um, I'm still connected with everyone to this day. I don't think I'll be able to get to the position I, I was at I'm at now without a lot of my teammates sacrificing and just building that family relationship. It's it's something unique and special. I don't think a lot of players get it at different universities. We all like still on a a group text together. Ron's down here in Atlanta with the Atlanta Hawks coaching, so I still see him. Um, Gordon, Coach Stephen, I, I just don't think it's a group of college teammates that's still connected like we are to this day. So basically, it's, it's just my family.
4: He's Shelvin Mack, the Butler great, and you can find him all college basketball season on CBS Sports. Shelvin, thanks again for the time. Enjoy the rest of the college hoop season. Hopefully we we'll talk to you down the road.
0: Thank you. Go dogs. I ah, love it. Shelvin Mack um, joining us on the program.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: You know, there are certain people that you start chatting with them and, like, instantly you go... Okay, there's a lot more here in a good way than just the overall core of it. And then you're like, this is a, this is a dude that I could just hang out with and have a couple of beers with and talk for hours, and that includes our next guest, who just walked in and is dressed to the nines with a sport <laughs> coat that has the New York City skyline on the inside of it. Is that right? That is. That's true. NBA lapel pin. Everything looks perfect until your Georgetown cufflinks, <laughs> but you got to support your school. I Blue and it. gray forever. Uh, Joey Graziano. I said the last name correctly. Y- you right? did who is the NBA head of event strategy and management? Yep. So basically what that means is that you have taken up temporary residence in Indianapolis with the blueprint of basically becoming a Salvador Dali that's going to repaint the entire downtown, right?
1: I mean, I it is uh 28 days at the JW is a, is a good start to your uh, your Indianapolis uh your Indianapolis career, so I couldn't be more excited.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the NBA All-Star game upcoming and I you know, for a lot of people, Joey, they think Well, I know that they're going to have, you know, All-Star Saturday night at, you know, and then they're going to have the the All-Star game and and that's it. But there's so much more to it that goes into it. So what is, if you will, the biggest project that goes into all of this for you?
1: It really started with the the leadership of the Simon family and Herb Simon in particular wanted to make sure after his 40 plus years of building in this community that this was going to be the most fan first All-Star of all time. So we've got more than 175,000 ticketed opportunities 30% more than we've ever delivered to any NBA All-Star. It's going to tip off with a Pacers tip-off on the 15th in Bicentennial Unity Plaza, and then we're going to have wall-to-wall events. Our fan event, NBA Crossover, will be the largest fan event in the history of NBA All-Star, the best musical performance lineup we've ever had but then there are events like the rising stars we've got pacers representation you've got the celebrity game um we've got our all-star saturday night where you're gonna have staff pl- compete against sabrina uh in an nba w nba three-point competition for the first time so it's those types of events that are just really exciting
0: and with that joey i think there are a lot of people and i want you to speak to this yeah people that let's say don't have the finances to be able to enjoy a Pacer game on a regular basis and therefore they think to themselves the All-Star game's coming to Indianapolis but that's for a crowd that that I don't run with. Yeah, There are Opportunities for people to be able to come out and enjoy it without having to break the bank to do so, correct?
1: I think that's been a, a real testament for Pacers leadership. And so it was everything from our All Star Saturday night tickets started as cheap as twenty four dollars. Uh, we just put on celebrity game tickets for twelve dollars and twelve cents to make sure they're they're affordable for families. NBA crossover will be as cheap as twenty dollars for kids and thirty-five dollars for adults. But we've got a big volume of free events. Um, the paces are taking over everywhere from Monument Circle down to Lucas Oil. Full Georgia Street activation, all free. So we want our, our local Hoosiers to come down, bring their families, and spend all day and all night with us. You know at the NBA, we don't mind a party. So we're no. going gonna to be out into the evenings at the end of these nights. But even something like TNT, NBA on TNT, the Amex Roadshow, on Thursday evening, they're going to have incredible performances with Shaq and Kenny and Charles will be down all free. Um, And so we're going to want you to come down to the convention center. Those types of events and experiences are going to be a hallmark and testament to our Pacers leadership. Just how
4: complex is this thing for the average fan that realizes, oh, hey, this is fun party. When we look at it, it feels like it's your Super Bowl. How complex is this thing? And how soon does
1: one all-star event end? Do you look towards building the next one? So we've been planning this for seven years. Um, We've got fans coming in from 30 countries, 125,000 people are going to descend on downtown Indy. Um, This is certainly one of the most complex operations. And I've been fortunate at the NBA to be a part of a number of them. I was the first person on the ground for the NBA bubble um, and, and those types of opportunities. But the work that has gone in, in particular from the local stakeholders, I just did a host committee meeting. We had over 400 people who've been actively every day working on this event come down for that presentation. It's that type of cross-departmental leadership that's been needed across the city and the state to put this on and we've been working on it for years i keep hearing about the crossover
0: yeah um when i think crossover i think Allen iverson i know the nba is excited about this particular event for fans yeah and you mentioned 20 dollars for kids 30 but it it exactly is what
1: yeah i think when you look at nba fans what they're interested in is what our what our players are interested in and the great part about nba players we're dynamic off the court just as we are powerful on it. We're fashion designers, we're artists, we're musicians, we're technologists, and we bring together all of those interests into one holistic environment. And the way that we do it is we have our NBA marketing partners, more than 30 of them will be there, 55 plus activations. We want to get a ball in kids' hands the minute you walk in. These musical performances, more than 18 different panels and conversations that will happen live at our crossover conversation studio, 60 plus player appearances, legends. IU's own Isaiah Thomas will be there. Legends like Dr. J., will be in attendance, Oscar Robertson. Um, so it's those types of, of meet and greets and player appearances and leaders that you're going to hear from all around this concept of exclusive collaborations, people that wouldn't otherwise step foot in a room together, but for NBA fandom. And when you were
0: doing all of this in Indianapolis, is it advantageous versus other markets because of the fact that everything, yeah. like we're kind of a bubble in our own right, right? Yeah. Like everything is so... so the, the footprint of the All-Star game is going to expand how far downtown, and does it reach beyond just the, the, the epicenter of downtown?
1: Yeah, I think this is one of the best major events, let alone sports events, cities on earth. The way that it's designed, and we're going to have, well, we use the word campus. and That's a word we use from, from, from the bubble days. The ability to be able to create one environment when your fans get to a certain point. For us, that point's going to be Monument Circle. You're not going to need a car. We're going to want you to walk everywhere. We've got a cultural corridor. We've got Hoosier Historia happening, activations from, from street to street, and we're going to want our fans to be able to experience them. But to your point, we've been operating All-Star since the Indiana State Fair. All 92 counties that we've been able to experience, we've got a 92-county game, a knockout that's going to happen with a with a leadership. We have an all-star Rewards program that has 400 small businesses throughout the state, more than 70% minority and female-owned. All of those re- uh, bars, restaurants, shops you go to, you can earn all-star rewards points live to redeem for free prizes, merchandise, meet and greets. So this is a full statewide, this is Indiana's all-star, not just Indianapolis.
4: Joey Graziano is our guest, NBA head of event strategy and management. We asked Rick Fusen this yesterday from your standpoint and obviously the pandemic impacted everybody, but from Indianapolis and on the business side, they wind up having to move the all-star game from 2021 to 2024. I'll ask you the same question I asked him on your side. And I know you balance three all-star games in between those two. How did that afford you
1: the ability to do different things that wouldn't have been possible then? Well, I, I start with just the, the hundreds of millions of dollars of investment that's happened in and around the Pacers organization since that point. We think about the improvements at Gainbridge Fieldhouse, which is one of the best places on earth to watch a yeah. basketball game, just got better under Mel Rain's leadership. Um, you look at Commission Row and the new restaurant uh, that's just opened up there and this Mel Speakeasy. If you haven't spent time there yet, you need to. Uh, and then certainly Bicentennial Unity Plaza, a full extension. Of the arena now where we're able to have a, a, a tip-off. When we have our HBCU game on Saturday, we're going to have both pep bands perform there live. Those types of things don't happen if this happened ever. So I look at every obstacle being an opportunity and this one has been a major opportunity to have it this year with the Pacers' leadership. So
0: in terms of All-Star Weekend, the dates again are when? So we will
1: tip off on the 15th with, obviously, the game on the 18th.
0: So the 15th is the first day that there will be like NBA-sanctioned events, if you will, taking place. And obviously, there's going to be parties and stuff going on all over the place, right? Um, And then after the 18th, basically, that's it. I mean, there's not things after the fact like for people to be able to come down and enjoy after the game is played correct
1: so the pacers are going to continue and extend some of the activations making sure some of the most viral moments that happened that those who weren't able to be in town if you were out of town for the weekend you're still going to be able to experience but we want to make sure at that point we're focusing on the pacers are an incredible team getting Tyrese back, we want to be able to have everybody focus on that playoff run. But we're going to make sure those viral moments from All-Stars stay in Indy for those who weren't able to experience them otherwise.
0: Joey Graziano is our guest from the NBA. Joey, when you walked in, um, you know, I, I immediately, you said you're from New York, which I assumed with because you're with the league. And one thing about Indianapolis is this is a city that has a tremendous pride about itself. Even yeah. at times when we didn't necessarily have reason to be proud, we've always been proud to be from Indianapolis. There is no city that exhibits that more than New York City. Um and immediately I asked you, I said, Oh, so you're a New Yorker, and then you told me a story very briefly, I literally in the commercial break before we came on, about your dad yeah. and about New York. Can you share with our listeners that story?
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm a son of a New York City fireman. It's the thing I'm most proud of in all in all of of Earth, anything I could accomplish, nothing would matter to be uh, more. And, and um, my dad was a fireman, Engine Twenty Two, Ladder Thirteen, which is in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and uh, a firehouse that was significantly impacted by by 9/11. My dad was was there. Um, the fireman in that house uh, didn't make it. My father happens to, ma- to made it. Uh, he's the last person to leave a, any of the Twin Towers alive, and um, it's a tremendous legacy of, of pride. And my dad had a rule as we were, as a kid, uh, when your neighbor's house is on fire, you run towards that fire. And so I built my whole life trying to emulate, um, these incredible men that I grew up around and the hero heroism and how they thought about living their lives. And I'll never measure up to it, but it's, it's my guiding post. I live by a very simple principle and I try to do that every day. And, uh, you know, to tie it back to Indy, um, and how we got there, uh, when I showed up on my, my first day and what, who's your hospitality means to me, I showed up and there was a, a a gift, and that gift was from the Indianapolis Fire Department, welcoming me into the city. So when you talk about how hey, this, do you think they knew? They, they definitely knew. Okay. Um, they knew. They said they thanked my dad for this for his service, as in the card that was written to me. And when you think about what this city is and why this place is different why the people here are different, um, it's because they see you and they hear you and they take you for who you are. Um, and that that matters to me a lot about this city and and this state and the way that people here rally around causes. And certainly to be able to think about that, and of course, gave me an opportunity to call my dad right away and uh, and let him know. And we grew up Knicks fans, so uh, so some of those those teams, those oh, Pacers yeah. teams, have hurt me uh, <laughs> over the years. And likewise, yeah. right. <laughs> so, um, but for my dad to be able to hear that and to hear how you know people still remember him and how they welcome his son it, it means a lot to my family and my brother's a new york city fireman right now uh in harlem and so you know just a, a, a truce. thank you and, and i really do love it around here
0: and so your father is he's a retired firefighter my dad's right? a retired firefighter um, yeah. and so now he gets to see you going out and you know i i think what's great about it is there probably is joey a symbolism is there not in the fact that you know nothing can match the heroism of nine yeah. i'm not trying to 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 over romanticize or under romanticize that but for you to be able to go in and allow other communities to show their strength and to kind of put their best foot forward in allowing the rest of the country cities like indianapolis need that you know this is a city that that embraces that have you you obviously have been able to tell that right
1: it's an incredible i mean what i love so much about this job and this event in particular is it's a true global platform These games will be broadcast in 200 countries and territories, more than 60 languages. We'll have 1,500 global credentialed media that will descend on the city. Um, Last year, during All-Star during Salt Lake City, we had uh, 650 million views of the event on Instagram alone. That's 20% more than the Super Bowl. This is that type of global moment. And this is a city with a ton of pride and a ton of reasons to be really proud of, the, uh, of what it's built, but maybe even more the future promise of the city and all the changes that are still coming and to be able to showcase that to the world in all the authentic ways that we're doing, which is why I'm really happy about the JW and how we turned a piece of art the JWs use it every major event. It's a testament of this city, but we turned it into a, into a platform, an engagement platform. And one of the things we're going to do is we're going to drop a new video every day at five o'clock across NBA social. And we're going to tell one of the behind the scenes stories of this all-star tell the story of Indianapolis and why it's important. And we're going to do with a unique celebrity or an executive or a player who is important to bringing together all-star. And of course, we're going to have incredible one-of-one prizes, but it's those first parts. Telling the stories of this city that fans wouldn't otherwise get to experience—that is so gratifying.
0: So you never would have guessed when you were watching Reggie Miller break your heart that the <laughs> day was going to come where you'd partner with the Pacers, right?
1: I'll tell you this: uh, Mel Raines gifted me a, a a beautiful Pacers jacket. I, I rock it with pride. <laughs> and it, yeah, I, my my ten year old self I was would, say not, would not twelve year old you is yeah, like what in the world yeah, would not love it? Yeah, I also grew up a, as you reference now a, a you know a Georgetown guy, but I um I grew up a St. John's fan to run our test um, now wait and that,
0: a minute How, and Georgetown's one of the great academic institutions in America but I go back to the Louis Karnasek John Thompson days. Like, yeah. that, there is, if you're a St. John's fan, I mean, at some age, you had to have set that aside and swallowed the pride to go to Georgetown, right?
1: <laughs> I was a uh, mediocre college baseball player. So, uh, that's how I, I ended up at Georgetown. It was a great great institution for me. I went to law school there. I, I had a, D.C. is an incredible place to go to school. Um, but it, it happened to be a great baseball Great baseball situation for me, which is how I ended up ended up at Georgetown. But yeah, I broke my B, my Big East alliances uh, pretty quickly when I made that move. So when you were in college, did
0: you kind of privately still root for St. John's when they took on Georgetown?
1: You know, the great part about Georgetown, we were really good. This was, the, and you know, another person who's going to be in town, Roy Hibbert, Pacers, great. Yeah, uh, Roy's a friend of mine. So that was the year: the Jeff Green, Roy Hibbert, Jonathan Wallace. So my senior year, we went to the Final Four. So I wasn't rooting for anybody but Georgetown at that Actually, point. Actually, was that the Final Four they went up against Greg Oden? They did. And yep. Mike Conley. And Mike Conley to yep. bring it to
0: an. an yeah, yeah, that, and, time. That
1: one, uh, and that one, and that one, that one hurt. That was not. We, we were not close. <laughs> Indianapolis <laughs> In <that one. laughs> breaks your heart again, right?
0: <laughs> hey, um, so Joey, let me ask before we let you go here, and I appreciate the time. Um, kind of, if you could. Give the calendar of events again, and I don't mean for people that have tickets to yeah. Saturday night or to the All-Star game, but people that want to come down, and this city does this, people that want to come down and simply soak in the ambiance and yep. feel a part of it, then they are going to be able to do which events and on what
1: nights. Yeah, I- for me, you're going to want to follow NBAEvents.com, which will have all of your access to to ticketing information, and you're going to download the NBA Events app. Now we'll have our schedule, player appearances, drops, merchandise collaborations, all of the all of the things to be able to help you navigate the city. But we're, I'm going to want you to target Thursday, uh, the 15th, to be able to come down to the Pacers tip-off in Bicentennial Unity Plaza tips off at six o'clock, and then come to the convention center for the Amex Roadshow right after uh, to be able to experience Shaq and Kenny and that crew. They're they're so great. They're such ambassadors for the sport and leaders in this game. So come down and see some of that. And then we've got these incredible events then all weekend long. You want to be in downtown Indy, whether you have tickets to the Celebrity Game on ESPN um, and the great Stephen A. Smith being one of the coaches, or you decide uh, you just want to come down to the to uh, cross over, go do some of the arts and music things that are going to happen free in the city. That Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are days you're not going to want to miss in downtown Indy.
0: Are you guys, uh, I hate to ask this, are you prepared weather-wise? Like just in terms of people being able to get around. I don't know how many of these are yeah. outdoor events uh, or like Georgia Street, that kind of thing.
1: Well, you mentioned Rick Fusen and uh, his leadership. He he started with the Pacers for the 1985 um, All-Star. And in Rick, I trust um, nobody knows this city better, nobody's a better leader, incredible operator who, is, who has who been a visionary for how to build and how to grow, um, so when Rick says we're ready, we're ready, uh, and I know we're not going to stop working until, until we are there. This year, NBA
4: All-Star Saturday night is in a football arena, right? It's at Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. Is this very much a, a test cycle to some extent for how big All-Star Saturday night can get, or do you envision that this is a one-off and, and it'll be at standard
1: basketball arenas moving forward. To me, it's a true testament to Herb Simon and his leadership, Mm -hmm. right? He invested all of this money in these incredible renovations at Gaybridge. And his first decision was to decide to not have all-star Saturday night happen in his building, but instead, happened it down the street, and why? Because it gave more fans an opportunity to be able to experience All Star Saturday Night. We changed the capacity from you know the seventeen, eighteen thousand that we'd have into a thirty-plus thousand seat opportunity, which opened up all of these fans. And then he went a couple steps further. He made sure and bought twenty-four hundred tickets to get to community groups, and then he made sure that the tickets um, in the upper levels were twenty-four dollars. That was all Herb Simon and his leadership and vision. And so whether we do this moving forward is unclear, but I I want to focus on that because it's, to me it's an incredible testament of selfless leadership and what it means to really put your money where your mouth is, and Herb and his vision and, and team and Steve Simon, just incredible.
0: You know, it's interesting. We talked to Rick Fusen about this in the fact that in that All-Star game that Rick Fusen, the first one, the 85 All-Star game, it was the opposite because the All-Star game itself was in the then Hoosier Dome, later yep. RCA Dome. And then all of the festivities on Saturday night were at Market Square Arena. Jordan Wilkins slam dunk contest. Ralph Sampson, the MVP of the All Star Game, here. So does Ralph Sampson get free admission?
1: I, I don't. I don't think how. How would we say no to him? That's right. Yeah. This is, are you going Let's do the invite right now. If, you're, if he's listening, let's get him in. <laughs> That's right.
0: And same with Dominique, and same with I would imagine Jordan as well, oh, right? Of course, of course. Um. So you mentioned some of you know Oscar Robertson. Carry some cloud here because yes. you are, I don't know if you know this, I'm sure you do, but you're right now like less than a mile from his high school yep. in the area that he grew up. Um, what other legendary players are going to be descending upon Indianapolis?
1: Well, I mean, certainly we know Reggie will be here. Um, we've obviously got a massive volume, Tim Hardaway Jr., Um, we've got a massive volume of legends that are coming into town that are going to be a part of all of these different events and experiences. And the great part for this is this is one of those moments to be able to welcome everybody back. It's like true NBA family that comes all star weekend and things like the legends brunch that we have on Sunday morning um, gives us an opportunity to be able to honor and experience. And so crossover alone is going to have 60 plus player and legend appearances. That's just one event. So you think about the volume of big names that are going to be in market. This is going to be one of those can't miss moments. We'll have hundreds of celebrities, it's going to be exciting. And crossover takes place where? At the convention center.
0: I was going to say, the convention center is probably
1: the epicenter for yeah. a lot of these activities,
4: yeah. right? If you were to give one event that fans would go to, non-All-Star Game Division, is that the one? Yeah,
1: it's a, it, because I think you're going to spend all, you can spend all day there. Um, between the panels, the music performances, the activations, um, the ability to get ball, basketball in your hand, the players' and legends' appearances, the merchandise we're going to drop. That becomes this way to be able to wrap up all of these moments, and it becomes really dynamic. As the weekend changes, the event changes, so we can highlight those special moments. So it's a place I certainly want our fans to be able to feel like is their home?
0: I've seen a bunch of neon signs around town, like in storefronts. You know, the say oh, yeah. Do you get to take one of those home?
1: Ah, uh, you know what? I, I, now I do. <laughs> I feel like you just, you just, you
0: just gave me permission to ask somebody. I mean, that would be like the, the for you. That's got to be the number one souvenir, right? Uh, I, like,
1: uh, you know, uh, my unfortunately, I've got I, I got a wife back home who I don't know that she 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 I don't know that she loves that I continue to treat <laughs> it'd be like a Christmas yeah, story, I right? To, <laughs> to treat our living room like my old locker room, but <laughs> that yeah. is beautiful. Oh, uh, so we're on YouTube live right now. One of our listeners asked
0: Pat. Uh, once you have paid tickets for the crossover, is the meet and greet with legends and players included, or is there an extra
1: fee? Nope, all included. Yeah, we um, it we're, we're fan first. There's there's no upcharges uh, as part of uh, as part of the events. And again, NBAevents.com is that right? Yes, NBAevents.com has all the ticketing information throughout the weekend. Um, as I referenced, more than one hundred seventy five thousand different ticketed opportunities we we put out.
0: Joey Graziano NBA head of event strategy and management right the title's too long we got to work a, on that one that is a good title man I like that <laughs> and the pride of Georgetown and you know what um the pride of tell me again the the firehouse where your dad was yeah
1: um so it was on 85th and Lex um engine 22 ladder 13.
0: Man, and that obviously I guess they were coming from all areas yeah. of Manhattan because for those that are not familiar with it I mean that's obviously quite you know the distance to downtown right but yeah that everybody, all hands on deck on that day, and all heroes, certainly no question about it. Well, Joey, we appreciate the efforts and um, look forward to it. We certainly look wait. forward to All-Star
1: Weekend, right? Yeah, spend a little time together, hopefully.
0: So, all right. Well, it sounds good to me. Um, again, big weekend coming up, and downtown already. If you have not been downtown, you can see some of the street signs have already changed. I think we are currently sitting on, what are we on, Pelicans Boulevard? Is that right? Something yeah,
5: like that? Yeah, I think that?
4: that's right. Somewhere Maybe. between Hawks Way, I think, yeah.
5: <laughs>
0: some <laughs> intersection of some sort of birds, right? Tuesday night one of the really good stories and one that I would imagine and listen I went to IU I had one shining moment in an intramural game I walked on cloud nine for like a week and a half nobody else but me cared but for our next guest it was the talk of Bloomington Anthony Leal who had a breakout game 13 points career high and helping Indiana he was a catalyst to help the Hoosiers beat Iowa joins us on the program Anthony thanks for joining us how are you I'm doing well you I am fine thank you I am happy to be talking to you I want to go back to this uh take me through just what you know the last day and a half have been for you because you've been the talk of Indiana basketball I'm sure you're aware of it yeah i
2: uh I've been getting a lot of love and it's uh been really nice just to see all the support and all the encouragement that everybody's been giving me um I've been trying to be about the right thing since I got here on campus four years ago so uh to, to have a game where you know it pays off and and people start to see the work that I've always been putting in has, has been really special.
0: I'm her. I'm sure that you, Anthony Leal, saw or heard the comments that Mike Woodson had after the game, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically saying, you know, you're the ultimate teammate. You're the ultimate professional in the in the way that you approach each and every day, waiting for your number to be called. There had to have been times, had to have been, where you started to second guess whether or not there, you know it was going to be worth it in time was there
2: uh, i'd say maybe brief moments um you know just in my mind but then i come back to reality and i realize, like i grew up in bloomington i i grew up going to games i wanted to put this jersey on since i was, could dribble basketball so once i you know come back down to earth and i realized that you know whether or not i'm playing 40 minutes a game or two minutes a game i'm still living out the dream that that i've always wanted to do so that kind of That kind of perspective has been really helpful for me whenever, you know, doubts or or questions start to creep
0: in. Naturally speaking, Anthony, for you, and, and I don't mean this as a knock on any of your teammates at all, okay? Like, I went to IU, and I know that, you know, when I went to IU, I was a diehard basketball fan because, like you, I had grown up in Indiana, right? And Indiana basketball was so special. And having classmates that were not from Indiana, I felt like I had to kind of educate them on what Indiana basketball was. And they got it eventually. Did you have that role at all with your teammates? Have there been guys where you feel like you've had to say to them, look, this is what this jersey means?
2: Um, I'd say yeah, but not like directly, you know, saying this is what it means, but just in the way that I approach things every day in, in practice and film um, – in, in the weight room, in games, during games. I think that just my approach and the way I handle myself through my actions kind of shows, you know, hopefully shows other guys what it means to put the jersey on. And, and that's kind of my focus is just honoring the people who have, who have worn the jersey before us and, and all the history of the university. So I, I do think that there's definitely some educating to be done for people who are not, you know, born in Indiana. But at the same time, I I do it through my actions.
0: You know that game. Let's go back to it. Um, you, you get in there and you're in the game late, and then shots start coming to you, and and obviously you're able to to get your career high of 13, and, and really be a catalyst um, through the course of the game. Did did you feel at any point like it was kind of your night, if you will?
2: Not necessarily. No, we we built a, a lead in, in the first half, and I was able to hit a couple of shots, but then coming now of the second half, they we. Uh, you know, X had gotten hurt. We we lost the lead a little bit, and it, it started to become a really close game. So I was more focused on just trying to make sure that we won. You know, I, I was aware that I was scoring some points for the first time and basically ever, but um, at the same time, that's no good if we lose the game. So the, the main focus was just trying to make sure that we could get a win.
0: And with that, now I mean, obviously it was a huge win for you guys, right? And, and I know this sounds weird, Anthony. This is a media talk, not not a player talk. It was uh-huh. one of those games that I looked at it going into it, and I thought. Okay, it's more like a game Indiana can't afford to lose than it is that Indiana has to win. I know that sounds weird, but here you are now. How much do you guys get caught up in kind of what that means in terms of a momentum game and the chance to build off of it now with Penn State coming into Assembly Hall?
2: For sure. I mean, we we played three games before this Iowa game against top ten teams. Um, We lost all three, but we know we've still got nine more games left now in the Big Ten, and we know that. We've got a chance to accomplish our goals, you know, uh, win the Big Ten tournament, make it to March Madness and that sort of thing. But we knew it had to start with this one, and we got to protect our home court as always. So that, that's the, been the main focus. And, I mean, we, we lost three in a row last year, um, went on to win eight of nine to finish out the, the Big Ten. So we know that that sort of feeling can help us build, build and, you know, learn how to win and help us grow close together. So that's kind of what we've been focused on.
4: Anthony, why or what, motivated you to stay the course over the last couple of years because the transfer portal is a tool and I don't judge players when they use it but it's a tool where if you feel like opportunities aren't there you can go somewhere else where maybe the grass is greener I know you have the Bloomington and the Indiana ties but but what made you not want to utilize that and, and and stick with it at Indiana
2: um I think that just goes back to again this being my dream and and everything that I've ever wanted is just to represent this university and and put the jersey on and be able to play for the Hoosiers. So I think that just being a part of that and you know knowing it's a part of it's about being a part of something bigger than myself has kind of kept me here and and I've, I've got no regrets so far.
0: Anthony Leal, our guest. Okay, so Anthony, staying the course at Indiana, not only do you get the opportunity like you did the other night, but you also have your degree, your undergrad degree. You're working on your postgraduate degree right now. Take me through, what's your your undergrad degree?
2: My undergraduate is in entrepreneurship and corporate innovation.
0: (laughs) Which is really impressive sounding, right? So, like you're Elon Musk is what that means, right? Hopefully one day, yes. (laughs) What, What, like if you aside from basketball, okay? I mean, basketball goes without saying. But when you when you think about what your career aspirations are, you would like to be doing what when you are all grown up?
2: Um that's a good question. I'm not sure. I've got my realtor's license right now, so I've been a licensed realtor for a couple of years. Um you know, buying and selling houses. I've got a couple other startups that I've been working on, so hopefully just you know a business owner who is successful enough to provide his family a
0: good life you've already provided your sister a good life right wasn't that was it last year or two years ago when that video went viral that'd be two Christmases ago okay and so you for those that don't know you paid your sister's student loans is that right yes sir Uh, and I've you know I've never had a chance to talk to you since that video and the whole world saw it um what went on in that video that we didn't see? I mean, like how emotional was it? How, how I guess satisfying was it to be able to do that for your sister?
2: That was, it was definitely the most, you know, satisfying and wholesome thing that I've ever been a part of in my life. Um, Just to see the relief and, you know, the emotions that my sister showed um, when I delivered that gift to her, it was, uh, it was really special because I know that student debt can really be a, a serious problem. And, for her to be able to go into now her postgraduate um, education without having any student debt was huge. So it was it was a blessing to be able to do that. And I'm just you know I love my sister. So
0: when you guys, Anthony Leo of Indiana, our guest, when you guys have injuries, you know, Kalil Ware, who I thought was sensational against Iowa, missing a couple of games. Obviously, Malik Renew now you know getting hurt, Xavier being hurt for a better part of the year. How difficult is it as a team? To just kind of get cohesiveness and footing of where you want to be when you have a consistent roster change at the fault of nobody.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, coming into the year we had ten new guys. Uh, we've not had many games where we've all been healthy, so it's been it's been difficult to just kind of get in a groove and and stay flowing and you know build from game to game. But at the same time, you know we're all. We're all working towards the same goal and we're all committed to, you know, the next guy up mentality. So um, with X, Malik potentially being out or whatnot, you know, guys have to be ready to step up.
4: Anthony, I know we've talked about it a time or two, but I think there's a lot that young high schoolers around the state of Indiana and around all of college basketball, for that matter, that aspire to get to that next level can learn from your story of perseverance and of, and of staying true to not just what you believe in, but what you feel like your mission is a part of Indiana basketball over the last three and a half years, there's been a coaching change. There's been not knowing where your minutes were going to come from. What was going through that adversity like, and what did you learn about yourself through this process?
2: It's definitely difficult. You know, it's it's never easy coming in with expectations and then you know not seeing them come to fruition right away. But during that time of, of waiting and having to be patient, I think it's a great opportunity to just to grow, prepare yourself when that time does come, you know, uh, strengthen your faith. And for the, for me, it was really those things um, because obviously I had a really strong belief that my time was going to come. And I know that if I'm sitting around pouting that I'm not playing as much or I'm not, you know, the start player or whatnot, then when my name does get called, I'm not going to be ready. So just staying ready, being patient and, and growing in my
0: faith. Hey, whenever you go to a high school around Indiana, Anthony, if they've had a Mr. Basketball in their, you know, the career of the school, they have the number one jersey hanging like in the gym. Mm -hmm. And then I always wonder, like, so does the guy like give that to the school or does the school get one and the kid gets one and the parents get one? How many number one jerseys did you get? And like, if I told you right now that you had to, you know, present it within 20 minutes for a huge cash prize, would you be able to find exactly where it is?
2: Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, there's one hanging up at my high school gym, and then I believe I've got two at home. So
0: now uh, the, the two at home. I mean, are they framed and like hanging right above the the mantle of your parents' fireplace? That's what I do, right? One one is is
2: framed and hanging in our basement, and the other is just in my closet. <laughs> In case I want to throw it on every
0: night. I was going to say, you ever just throw it on and go, like, that'd be the other great thing is I'd be a total ringer, right? I'd just show up at some pickup game somewhere, oh, let me go change real quick and then throw that on, right? Right. I mean, right. That'd, that'd be awesome. I'd be walking around right. with that, with that degree that there's no way I could ever obtain in entrepreneurship and futuristic ownership of company or whatever that was. And your, sure. the, the degree you're working on now is what?
2: I'm getting my uh, my MBA through the Kelly School here at IU, and I haven't decided what specification that's going to be in, but likely finance or marketing. So.
0: and you'd be set, man. Um, how much do you guys look at, like, bracketologies and that stuff? Fans love it. Media, we look at it as a barometer. Um, you guys, I would think it can become a dangerous thing, but how much do you realistically keep track of where you guys are versus where you need to be for the tournament?
2: Uh, it's not so much being focused on, you know, bracket predictions, but we, we've set kind of a baseline for, you know, amount of wins that we want to have um, and stuff like that. So we're just trying to stay on pace with that, and, and that comes down to, you know, trying not to lose at home and then being able to steal some on the road in the Big Ten.
4: Anthony Alil is our guest. Anthony when my wife and I were students in Indiana, our favorite spot to go to—I think was one of your favorite spots. I understand it in Mother Bears, and I know in a world where we have, you know, NIL and opportunities to be able to partner with a local restaurant like that, has to be pretty cool. Walk me through the leal deal that as they promoted it back in November.
2: Uh, yes, sir. So I've got the leal deal at Mother Bears in Bloomington. It's uh, it's boneless wings and some cheesy bread, uh, which is what I love there. Obviously, their pizza is amazing as well, but. That's what I went with when deciding what the Leo deal was going to be. It's uh, it's uh, You get a discount for it, and it, it's really good. So I, I recommend trying that out if anybody's in town.
4: Now, do you go cheesy bread straight, or what's your sauce? What do you dip with with that?
2: I go cheesy bread with some, with some ranch. Nice.
0: So. <laughs> that is as Hoosier as it gets right there, right? <laughs> Dreaming of yeah. playing for IU and winning a game for them, as much Hoosier as ranch uh anthony leal before we let you go i want to do this and i've done this with a lot of people when i interview them on the radio okay um i'm always under the assumption that there could be somebody in the car with their parents right now listening that's a 14 year old kid 13 year old kid boy or girl and you know they're, they're seeing that their classmates are right now faster than they are or better shooters than they are or whatever sport it may be and they're a little insecure about it and They have the belief in themselves, but sometimes that belief is tested and it's hard and it's challenging. And it's kind of what your college career maybe at times has been of having to always believe and know your moment's going to come. What do you say as you go back and look at Anthony Leal as a younger person, what did that young man do that people listening right now can learn from and what would be the blueprint you would tell them? to get to the point of where they want to be? I would
2: say um, even through the doubts, you know, just keep working as hard as you possibly can and enjoy every second of it because the struggle and the grind of it is what makes it all worth it. And never underestimate the mental side of things. You know, Um, there's a lot of value in in being a smart guy and and being uh, smart with the game of basketball. So. Just love what you're doing and, and be committed to the team and not just your your own success, and eventually uh, your own success will come.
0: Was there a danger in you getting too complacent off that game at Iowa as opposed to let's go do it again?
2: No, it's always next game mentality. Um, we got more games to win to, to get to our goals, so that's the focus.
4: Anthony, if you don't want me asking, where are you at from an eligibility standpoint? I know the COVID years, things kind of get lost in that. Is this it for you, or do you have another year of eligibility? And if you do, have you given any thought to that?
2: I do have another year of eligibility. Um, I haven't really given it much thought. My my master's program is a two-year program, and I'm only in the first year. So, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm welcome to back to where I can complete my master's and, and play another year, but we'll see. So when, let's when go,
0: right? Let's go yes sir all right anthony leal coming off a great performance against iowa getting set indiana and penn state on saturday at assembly hall i know it's probably been a bit of a whirlwind and to be able to get you away from mother bears long enough to catch a couple minutes with us is greatly appreciated Mm -hmm. certainly wish you the best of luck not only on the rest of this season but hopefully next year as well anthony we look forward to talking to you again yes sir thank you all right anthony leal joining us here on query and company